Hmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Hi, this is F. Limbless Jr., and you're listening to TV Confidential. Ed Roberts, and a reminder that Allison Arngrim will join us later on this hour. Allison will bring her award-winning one-woman show, Confessions of a Prairie Bitch, to the Sierra Madre Playhouse for six performances only January 19th through January 28th. Stay tuned for that. In the meantime, Greg Airbar is with us for a look at recently released DVD and streaming titles that we think you will find of interest. Greg Airbar, co-author of Mouse Tracks, the story of Walt Disney Records, and the author of the forthcoming Hanna-Barbera, the recorded history. You can also hear Greg's standalone podcast, The Fantastic World of Hanna-Barbera, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts. We're going to pick up a conversation we started with Greg last week about the FBI. The FBI, Quinn Martin's longest-running television series and a Sunday night staple on ABC for nine seasons. All nine seasons of the FBI available on DVD through our friends at the Warner Brothers Archive. You can also enjoy the FBI streaming on demand on Tubi, while the FBI series is shown weekdays on the Warner Brothers Live channel on Tubi. Among other things, we were talking about the various tropes of the FBI and the various ways in which the producers of the FBI kept the show fresh week after week after week for nine seasons. As we pick up our conversation with Greg, here's the other thing. It ran nine years. That's a long time for a network show. They would revisit certain storylines, but they would not rewrite they would not shoot old scripts word no, for word they would take different elements of it and they would create a new story and with a new location or maybe you would have a maybe you would have a Stephen Brooks element but when you have William Reynolds playing it as Colby it's different yeah the, they were uh, different characters and they, we'll talk about that because the yeah. different the, the partners were different characters this is the flip side of Colby we talked about how Colby always got the lousy assignments mm-hmm. The image of the FBI was very, very, very important because J. J. Edgar Hoover watched the show religiously. And he watched it with America. He did not see the rough cuts or anything. He watched it on Sunday night. On Sunday night, He did not see scripts ahead of time. They had FBI agents on, on the staff supervising. So when you saw it on ABC that night, that's when he was seeing it. Yes, and there are certain things that agents could not be portrayed doing, which goes back to a point you made earlier, where in the first 10 or 12 shows, Erskine had a daughter, Erskine had an uncle. We got to know a little bit about his family life and his personal background. That changed about halfway through the first season. It was partially, uh, it, it was, as I understand, it was a joint decision between Martin, Hoover, and to some extent, Efren Zimbalist Jr., and that by committee, it was decided. It was felt that Erskine would be more formidable if he was only seen as Inspector Erskine. You know, not quite a superhero, but you knew him only because he was Inspector Erskine and he was the best 
FBI agent around. Yeah, his partner was also the fiance of his daughter. Right, played by Lynn Loring, who now is a major studio executive. But uh, every now and then, particularly in the last couple of years, they started to loosen up with little of that. They especially loosened up with that after when, when, when Hoover passed in 72. Uh, the show was in the middle of its eighth season, and it ran for another year afterwards. So around 71, 72, they started to loosen up with that. And there's one episode where I think it was a kidnapping case, and one of the suspects had a job at a hair salon. And so it's a it's a 1971 era, L.A. era, very colorful hair salon with you know mini skirts and <laughs> and bouffant hairdos and very and it's mostly an expository scene where Colby is asking questions about the suspect to move the story along but even in that short expository scene the hairdresser takes a liking to Colby and let's face oh, it yeah, Col- yeah, Colby she... Col- you know, t- well, William Reynolds was a very good looking guy and and so she starts flirting with Colby. That was, that was the only time, really, that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, Colby appreciated, but Cor- but he's 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 doing his job. He says, "Thank you very much." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, occasionally he he would add a little look askance. Yeah, once in a while there would be just a tiny bit of that, but usually not. And uh, interestingly, in the first couple of years of the series. Hoover was almost an invisible character because you would see an office that said director, um, the Arthur. Arthur Ward. Arthur Ward. Played by Philip Abbott. Yes. He would be on the phone in the credits. He was on the phone. And no matter where Erskine went, the phone would ring and somehow he'd be on it. Yes. Somehow he had call forwarding. Yes. But he would come out of the office. I've just been talking to the director. Or there would be a photograph of Jagger Hoover on the wall in the background, something like that. So he was a presence in the series. He was very pleased with the series, and they also cast every single agent, even in minor roles, for their specific look. And the actors also had to be, I guess, cleared. <laughs> uh, the 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 top tier, the Peter Mark Richmonds, the Eric Bradens, the Gary Lockwoods, the actors that you would see in the opening time with guest stars. With guest stars. Uh, you know, the four or five with guest stars, they, w- <laughs> they would be cleared uh, by the Bureau before they could be cast. But if you had like day players, atmosphere players, people that you're casting maybe the day of the shoot, for practical reasons, you can't get everybody approved, and so the direct, uh, so whoever directed the episode, they would have a little bit of leeway in that regard. Suzanne Plachette was wonderful in quite a few of the episodes, and there was one in particular where she had this great name, Temple Alexander. Yes, that was shot in the Bay Area. Was it really? Yeah, it was shot in Santa Rosa. And I thought that's such a great name that they could have just spun off a show. And if it was a different time, maybe a few years later, where she played this international sort of con artist or something named Temple Alexander, if there wasn't a Bob Newhart show, there would have been a Suzanne Plachette one-hour sort of caper show. Yeah, and going back to casting, it was like The Fugitive, 
and to some degree like the invaders, but more so like the fugitive. The FBI was an anthology show with two or three running characters in that the first act of every episode was almost predominantly carried by the marquee guest star, whether yes. it was Suzanne Plachette, whether it was uh, Gary Lockwood. Uh, William Wyndham, William Arthur Wyndham, Hill. Yeah, whoever, whoever it was. Uh, it, it, they, you, would, you would establish the, who, the, who the quarry is, who that character is, their motivation. You learn a little bit about their backstory. And then, you know, like Droopy Dog, uh, <laughs> Erskine and Colby would find out, you know, who they're after. And then every now and then you would cut to Erskine and Colby piecing, piecing the case together. And uh, every now and then you'd have, a, you'd have a character like Temple Alexander where they would have a little soliloquy where we get even more of their background. And we realize, okay, yes, she's a, she's a con artist. She was probably a narcissist in real life, but... She did fall in love with Gene Raymond, who I think was the guest star that week, who was the famous, I think it was married to Jeanette McDonald. And she really did have a heart of gold in that respect. And she was willing to give up her ways because she, she was tired of, she was, you know, she, she was tired of being on the run all this life and she wanted to settle down. And so she was hoping, okay, maybe this is my way out. But of course, because it's, it's a Quinn Martin production, she can't find her way out or she can't get out because if Erskine doesn't catch her, Ray Danton as the other hood of the week will. Yes, because she has done wrong. Yes. She has. And as the announcer says, they must fill out that form and sign it at the end. No, it was very it was <laughs> it was very black and white in that respect. Although and this this goes it goes back to Ephraim Zibbalist and also Bill uh, uh William Reynolds in in that even though they were not allowed to convey a lot of personal character from episode to episode. They brought subtlety and nuance. Yes, they did. And so even though, and, and so even, they could have easily played it very cardboard-like, but they didn't. It's, so. not, it's not, and I don't mean this as a, as a knock because I love the show. It's not Dragnet. No. It's not done that way. There, there is, there, they do not. They do not phone in. None of them. The this is where you see pros at work. You know, because these people were working a lot, the yeah. guest stars and all. But they didn't play every role exactly the same. Yeah, I mean, he was not. He was not Stu Bailey, but um, he brought a lot of the savoir faire and the cool that was Ephraim Zimbalist off camera, by all accounts. And he had to get to tan. Yeah. Oh. I was told that because he had that great tan, he never had to spend a lot of time in makeup because <laughs> he, he, he already looked good, you know. But you know, there are some seasons too where William Reynolds seems to be competing for best tan. Yeah, well, you know, they, they, it varies. And, Maybe that's just the color of the negative. I don't know because you know they vary. Also, they they have the very best negatives they can find for these shows, and they do look they do look pretty nice. Which you also noticed in the art direction. They are. That's a good point. These are not washed out prints. These are very no, good prints. That's true. All nine seasons of the FBI are available on DVD through the Warner Brothers archive plus the entire fbi series is available streaming on demand on tubi you can also enjoy the fbi on the warner brothers live channel on tubi stay with us folks we'll be right back ah mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy 
Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. The FBI Dossier, a guide to the classic TV series produced by Quinn Martin and starring Ephraim Zemlis Jr. The FBI Dossier, now available at blackpawnpress.com, amazon.com, and edrobertson.com. You, you'll also notice as you watch them, you're looking at a huge amount of time passing. So you're seeing a huge amount of time passing in fashion in hairstyles, mm -hmm. and in the settings, because these shows take place in the suburbs, they take place in rich people's homes, they take place in inner cities. So you're seeing how the changes, changes in lifestyles changed from the 60s. The settings are a little more glamorous at the beginning, and they get much more stark and gritty as we move into the 70s, yeah. I find. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of the 70s, the last season... The network decided to make a casting change. Now, in the backstory, uh, uh, we, we mentioned that William Reynolds was on the show. He joined the he joined the show beginning of the third season. Stayed on the show end of the eighth season. Now, by the end of the eighth season, the FBI was still doing okay, but it had it, it was starting to show its age, and the numbers were starting to go down. And as best as we can determine. The network decided to renew it for another year because it was it anchored their Sunday night show. But they decided let's change let's change things around a little bit. Uh, they brought in a new producer, Philip Salzman, left uh, to produce Barnaby Jones. So they brought in Anthony Spinner to produce the ninth season, and they decided that um, Erskine needed a newer, younger looking, a younger, hipper looking partner. Yeah, with um, bell bottoms. With bell bottoms, and a more contemporary ha hairstyle. Yeah, longer hair. Longer yeah. hair, um, and this is this is nothing against Shelley Novak, who is the actor who replaced uh, uh, William Reynolds for the final year. But there is not much Chris Daniels, his character, did that William Reynolds That's, didn't and, already and do. And my wife is still mad about that because she kept saying that after we watched the ninth season. She said, I can't see anything that he brought to it that was different except maybe that, you know, J.C. Penney, you know, 1970s. He look. looked good in Hagar double knit. That's about, yeah. <laughs> that's about it. It was, it was the fashion and the look more yeah. than anything else, but it was but why? Yeah, there's a gentleman named Bill Koenig who runs an excellent episode, online episode guide uh, to the FBI. And uh, it's he, mostly it's, it's detailed plot summaries with, with a little bit of analysis. He speculated that one of the reasons why they replaced William Reynolds with Shelley Novak was because he was younger he was a couple of years removed from playing professional football, and Ephraim Zimbalist was 54 years old entering the ninth season. So you bring a younger guy, he'll do the heavy lifting for Erskine as far as the action sequences are concerned. But if you watch the ninth season, 
Erskine's still doing a lot of Erskine stuff, you know. Yeah. He's, I mean, it's not it's not like he steps out of the way and let Chris Daniels do all the fifth fist fights. As, as Erskine's, you know, he's it doing didn't change. He's doing karate way. flips and he's doing a lot of physical stuff. Was so. that around the time the Partridge Family was on too? Because he didn't have puka shells, but he might as well have. He uh, he did not have puka shells, no. Because that was kind of the trend too. I mean, David Cassidy was all the rage, and Erskine had... Erskine certainly did not have puka shells. Well, we didn't know he wasn't playing tennis in that season. <laughs> <laughs> Although he did play, I think he played golf in one of the final episodes. But uh, <laughs> you know, there was a lot of episodes, at least for a while, where he was always trying to go on vacation. Yes, and and, and Arthur Ward would track him down. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to ruin your vacation yeah. because something's come up. Yes, <laughs> but then, but then, and again, I think this is a concession to a show getting old, so you tweak the format. The last couple of, I mean, the first couple of years. The formula was pretty much the same. When we first saw Erskine, he would be in Arthur Ward's office. Ward would have just finished meeting with the director. The director. And Ward would say, the director wants you to go to directly to Cincinnati, Lou. Yeah. And Lou would go. And then by the sixth or seventh season, they they would drop those scenes. And almost by magic or coincidentally, either Erskine would be in the city where the crime took place, or he would be close enough that he could get to it within an hour. And yeah, so, the mechanics of going were not as much of an issue. And quite often they would show the same or the same angle or quite slightly a different angle of that same airport location. Yeah, so that, that sped the show up, and in a way it gave it made Erskine even more formidable because— Oh my God, he's on the scene already. So, so, so Gary Lockwood. <laughs> how does he know? Gary Lockwood, get your act together, man. So er- Erskine's after you. Well, but, there's also a few regular, semi-regular agents in locations like Anthony Isley. You see, so, you know, he plays Chet Randolph. Sometimes other agents, but Chet Randolph in a few. Episodes. Yeah, Chet Randolph, I think, was the New York resident agent. They had a couple of actors who played Brian Durant, who was the L.A. resident agent. Now, who's the—oh, golly. Now, I want to know who this is. Um, he was in South Pacific. Um, oh, played Lieutenant John— Cable. John— Kerr. John Kerr, who was in South Pacific, who mm-hmm. played Lieutenant Cable— whose voice was supplied by Bill Lee, who sang for Christopher Plummer and yeah. Sound of Music as well. He was an agent on the FBI quite a bit as well. And he actually, in real life, became a lawyer. Yeah. So he's he's on it, too. So if you're a big Rodgers and Hammerstein fan... Well, no, that's the thing. Quinn Martin's casting people, they drew from all... They, they had a lot of... They had a lot of stage actors. They had a lot of New York Rich, actors. Richard Kiley was on it a lot. They had a lot of musical actors. They had a lot of... Actors who didn't necessarily do episodic television, but they would do the FBI because it was Sunday night at 7.30, and it was ABC's like most popular show at the time. They also broke new ground as we moved out of the 60s into the 70s because there was the episode of Robert Hooks, Denise Nicholas— uh, as we got further in, there were some episodes where African Americans were not only prominent but almost the entire cast. Mm-hmm. You know, they were they were starting to feature more and more agents, um, more and more women. Slowly, uh, not just playing um, in, in uh, administrative assistants and things like that, but yeah, it, would, it was slow in coming. More, they, not quite as much as they should have. Probably, they, they would have. They, they would have 
uh, females acting as decoys. Now, yes, yes. Now, I have read that they did not have female agents per se until Hoover passed and you know, a new director. But I'm just thinking logically here. Okay, you can have you you can ask someone from the secretary pool to play a decoy, Lynette Meddy, for example. You you can have Lynette Meddy play someone from the bureau secretary pool. Okay, okay, Betty, we need you to. Uh, we, we, we need you to impersonate uh, Jacqueline Scott because she has to go uh, – she has to make the drop for this kidnapping case that we're investigating. But we don't want to endanger Jacqueline Scott, so we're going to put a brunette wig on you because Lynette Mitty was a, was a statuesque blonde. We're going to put a brunette wig on you, and you're going to – and we're going to trail – Colby's going to trail you in a field car and you're going to pretend to make the drop and that way we'll nab the kidnappers. Okay. And nothing will go wrong and at all. And nothing will go wrong You'll at be all. just fine. Yeah. So and, log- we'll, and you know what? We'll even take you to lunch. Well, logically, yes, that could happen, but you need to have certain training to Yeah, probably was a little bit of dramatic license. I doubt they did that. Yeah. So I'm I'm sure I'm sure they had female agents, you know, they did. at the time. They had, they had. Well, as we've learned from from that recent film about NASA, they just didn't talk a whole about the ladies who who solved yeah. the mathematical equation and stuff. They just didn't talk an awful lot about those things. But there were a whole lot of people that didn't get a lot of attention, and it's about time a lot more people did get a lot yeah. of attention. Well, we've given an hour's worth of attention to the FBI. <laughs> Well, it's nine seasons. It's nine seasons. And a, ma- a major motion picture has given a lot of attention to it. Yeah, that major motion picture being Once Upon a Time in Hollywood by Quentin Tarantino. The FBI, uh, Quinn Martin production, plays a very prominent role throughout Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. All nine seasons of the FBI are available on DVD through the Warner Brothers archive plus the entire fbi series is available streaming on demand on tubi you can also enjoy the fbi on the warner brothers live channel on tubi the fbi dossier now available black pond press amazon.com wherever books are sold online you can enjoy greg airbar standalone podcast the fantastic world of hannah and barbara apple podcast spotify wherever you find podcasts quick quick timeout and Allison Arngrim will join us when we come back on TV Confidential. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at TV Confidential. 
tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.